0: Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their backdoors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced backdoors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting ActiveCountermeasures.com forward slash PSW. Active Countermeasures, make every analyst a hunter. Endgame automates the hunt for both known and never-before-seen adversaries in enterprise networks. Built on unique knowledge on the adversary's tools, techniques, and tactics, Endgame's centrally managed agent prevents detects, and responds to advanced adversaries in the earliest stages of the kill chain without prior knowledge. Endgame, automate the hunt. Welcome back, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly. This is the security news for this week. Oh, yeah. We ready. Oh, yeah, we're right. Where do we want to start, gentlemen? And I do use that term loosely.
1: Start? <laughs>
0: <coughs> in the stories, right. Larry. The stories, Larry. Yeah. The thing we do every week. <coughs> oh, right. For right. the past 13 uh, plus years.
1: Your, your story number eight. Uh, Yubico Dude, snatched uh, my login uh, vulnerability.
0: We've been doing this so long that you're in my head. Because I was like, we should start with Yubico... Yeah. Uh, and the title is Ubico snatch my login token vulnerability to claim a $5,000 Google bug bounty. Uh, so there were some researchers that basically figured out that there were vulnerabilities in browsers uh, such as Chrome uh, was the most heinous or the easiest to exploit or something like that uh, and this vulnerability basically web USB which allows websites to access USB devices. The original researchers, Vervier and Oru, found that they could craft web pages that masquerade as real sites, such as Facebook.com, and still read from YubiKey tokens. Such uh, a malicious phishing site could therefore trick victims into handing over their Facebook username, password, and two-factor code and log them in to cause havoc. That is, assuming that your YubiKey device is still plugged into your computer when you're visiting the website. Well played, sir. generally... Don't lead by my example, as I just had my (laughs) YubiKey plugged into my device. Uh, Um, But uh, that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is Google has fixed uh, this particular vulnerability because the vulnerability was reported to YubiKey. YubiKey did further research, reported the bug to Google via their bug bounty program, Got five thousand dollars, made a five thousand dollars donation to girls who code. never credited the original researchers. in the meantime, the original researchers had also gone to claim the bug bounty, and uh, Vervier and Oru uh, <clears throat> did not were were like didn't hear back, and that's because the bug bounty had already been awarded to the company Yubico. Uh, so uh, essentially i I could see that being an issue and like totally not cool, whether that was a miscommunication done on purpose. Uh, The researchers, uh, who who seem like upstanding citizens, were were fine with it being donated. They're like, it's not about the money. It's about us just getting credit for being the original folks that found uh, this vulnerability, which, again, now since it's been reported to to Google and uh, assuming other browsers, depending on how exploitable it is in other browser frameworks. I know that Chrome... Uh, is is particularly vulnerable, and it is a fixed either has been pushed out or is in the works of being pushed out for this vulnerability. So that was an interesting story. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, we should probably read the full names of the researchers on there since this is all about Mm. crediting their original work, which from everything I read uh, was awesome. So it's Marcus Vervier uh, and Michel Oru who discovered the original Vulnerability and presented it, I believe, at a conference.
2: You sure that's not Marcus Vervier? Vervier? Could be. Could, Could be. be. You know, it, it's it's quite European. French. Might be a French. French. Name. I'm thinking yeah. French too. Ooh la la. Yeah, Vervier. I'm thinking yeah. French.
0: Sure. Uh, that, that's <clears throat> irrelevant uh, to their. To their research. Oh, they did present it. Offensive Con, eighteen, is where they presented this. And I thought. I mean, I I think. I mean, it is kind of a big deal. Again, if people are leaving their Yubico uh, keys or really any uh, U2F device, you know, plugged into their systems, I think in general we shouldn't do that. I normally, I normally don't do that. Uh, Although I just rebuilt this laptop today. And so what was happening is like every time I go to do something or install something, I'm like, "Crap, I need my two-factor auth token because I've put uh-huh. that link to a bunch of stuff." And uh, so it, it just ended up left in. But uh, in general, like I usually don't because I'm usually like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta do that. I do it and take it out. You know, put it back in my bag or clip it to my my belt loop or whatever." Uh, so I have it on me. So uh, generally, bad practice I mean, to leave it plugged in.
2: Can Can I ask about the uh, the story that? We got so high, we called 911. I'm just really curious about that. (laughs) You want to jump to
0: the interesting news of the week, which normally I reserve after we've gone through some uh, other more security-related stories. But yes, Let's get
2: to the cool shit. Let's get to the cool shit.
0: (laughs) In kind of our off-topic stories uh, of the week, which I've been trying to do more of lately, just to kind of spice things up in articles that I find interesting. So there's this article from uh, Vice.com uh published this article and they asked people about the time they got so high they called 911 turns out there's quite a few people that got so high they had to call 911 oh. uh <laughs> one of my favorite stories is the elderly gentleman in his 70s or 80s that um it looks like accidentally ate a whole bunch of edibles which is apparently never a good idea uh, he was all of a sudden dancing and yelling and screaming. His family couldn't contain him. He started wandering down the street. They were trying to coax him back into the house. He went into a bank and a McDonald's and just wandered everywhere. And I'm thinking he was probably just got the munchies and wanted to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, I mean.
1: Did he get some money? Did he get go some get money? A-
0: Maybe he was of his right mind. <laughs> got to stop at the ATM. Gotta get me some Big Macs. I mean, that and totally friend- makes sense to me. And some
1: fucking french fries.
0: And some french fries and, and a milkshake. Some fr- and apple pies. <laughs> and apple pies. <laughs> I mean, uh, um,
1: this is what I read on the internet, because that would never sound delicious. There's None
0: another story in there from someone else that said they were in the ambulance, and they were saying like that they should trick out the ambulance, and they should be on an episode of Pimp My Ambulance. And Yeah. <laughs> It was just—it's a really funny account of, of people that get like to. The, like oh, the, and there was one. There, there, I mean, and these people are sure they're going to die. Like, yeah. they're really not at any oh, risk yeah. of dying uh, from everything that I've read. Uh, that there's just no reported deaths from like overdosing on on marijuana, but uh, they think that they're going to die. Right, and right. and I've heard this from others, right, medical percent. professionals that like yeah. work in Colorado and stuff. You hear stories, right? Um, and there was one person who was like, I was really trying to dial 911 on my hand. <laughs> I didn't even have a phone, I was no just trying to phone, dial Just, on just dialing hand. on their
1: hand, dialing 911. No, he, it, it was, it was real man. 911. <laughs> Hello. Yes. Hello. Maxwell Smart here. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, Speaking so, speaking of something humorous Paul, I just went oh, no. and read your ridiculously insecure smart lock post.
0: Oh, okay, good. I'm oh, glad we're back to security god. now. Oh god. This Back to secure back. is this. a trilogy of horrible Oh no, it's more than a trilogy. Awful. I mean it's it, almost as much of an atrocity as the 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 second Star Wars trilogy. Uh, but <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Yeah. But <laughs> So there's three vulnerabilities that were released from Taplock uh, uh, against Taplock locks. Okay, so the first right. one is
1: so there are three vulnerabilities, but there are also some other issues with the lock. One, the manufacturing, the alloy they used is melts at high temperatures, oh, like with that a blowtorch. I, oh, that I didn't know. You can know. cut it with uh, a. Pa- they say it's invincible, but you can uh, cut it with bolt cutters. Well, I mean, I, uh, so
0: yeah. anyway, we'll Whatever. we'll talk about that in a minute. So uh, anyway, Taplock this lock. It's Bluetooth enabled and has a fingerprint uh, reader on it for you to gain access to or, yeah. or unlock the lock right so the first vulnerability if you get a screwdriver and you pop the back off it unscrews It, it, it unscrews, Is that what it is it yeah. unscrews okay and then you can just unlock it by taking the back off there's a way to unlock it by taking the back off oh okay
2: Let's, that's, yeah, that's not massive physical vulnerability
0: i can also yeah. get a pair of bolt cutters and cut probably a pretty high mm-hmm. percentage depending on what kind of bolt cutters i have Pretty high percentage of oh. locks that are out there today. Now, right? the
1: screwdriver one is they allegedly updated their advisory to say that they're invincible against people who own screw- don't own screwdrivers.
0: Oh my god! And <laughs> so, oh, Jason saying the thing something. With, oh, the, but the thing with that J- is, Jason saying something. Well, but hold on, right? and this first, if we do Jason, the risk, muted. the risk analysis, right? If I cut the lock, the, someone's going to know that I cut the lock, right? If I take the back off, I unlock the lock, and then, like, I put it all back after I leave, conceivably until they realize yep. maybe something's missing or, or whatever, or maybe not. Maybe I'm going in there for other purposes to steal data from their computer, yep. whatever. Not me, but, the, you know, a criminal that would do that, right? So, there's that. Jason, I just wanted to point that out. Jason.
3: I was just going to laugh about the comment about it's, safe from everybody with a screwdriver, it was a special star torx head. Torch bit, yeah, that's what they call it. Uh, that driver, you can so. Get at any <laughs> you know, hardware
0: store or computer repair or iPhone repair. $20 security bit <laughs> set from not Amazon. Not even $20, yeah. Yeah,
1: I got a whole pack of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got like a couple of sets. Like I keep one at the office, I, one at home, yep, one in one, my toolbox. Yep, right?
1: one in the workshop, one in my office, one downstairs at the soldering station.
0: Yep. So, not a really high bar. So, anyway, yeah. the second vulnerability. And Larry, you weren't here when I, we talked about this, and I, I don't know how much you've read into this story. But so the second vulnerability is with Bluetooth, and that is the Bluetooth low energy, they called it the ID, but I'm assuming that's the MAC address assigned it's the to- BD, the BD adder. Uh, the Bluetooth the address, address.
1: Yep, which, uh, is a, which is a 48-bit yeah, yeah. uh, 802 802802 compliant MAC address Assigned
0: format. to that specific Hardware, Correct. right, it's different for every lock But yep. that,
1: yep, two to, to parts of the, to, the, to that one OUI it Just made. like yeah. a MAC address, yeah, sure, it's a MAC address
0: So the uh, Mac Bluetooth Mac, MAC address was essentially the Key to unlock it, is that the Or was it, yeah. you could derive the key from it I wasn't exactly, so yeah, as-
1: you could use the BD adder to derive the key by taking The MD5 hash of the BD uh making it all uppercase. Yep. Taking a hash of the BD Adder and MD5 the first hash. and the first seven characters of that M D five hash are the are key one. Okay. Good. That's and more 16, detail than I have exact- yeah. And sixteen through twenty three yeah, are the serial
2: number. And, Larry, correct me if I'm wrong, but only, only 32 bits of that are actually significant, if I remember uh, correctly. That,
1: that is correct for Bluetooth Classic as far as integrating with, with Bluetooth. Um, but uh, for this one with Bluetooth Low Energy, with, with Classic Bluetooth, you wouldn't obtain the BD Adder unless the device was in discoverable mode.
0: Oh, that's Interesting. In low energy, that's not the case.
1: Right, because in low energy, they're effectively always in discoverable mode because they're always advertising on one of three channels that are reserved. Yeah, one of three channels. So it is trivial to recover the BD adder of a Bluetooth. I think
0: that, I forget the researcher who discovered it. I should probably know that originally, the Bluetooth vulnerability. But he said, like, basically, it took him about an hour to construct something that, yeah. Uh, which, which is now that you've described it as totally uh, believable. Now, the third vulnerability, because we're talking trilogies here, mm-hmm. right? The third vulnerability has to do with their API and their website, which essentially, the way I understand it, there was no session handling on their website, which means if I know the customer user uh, ID or the ID assigned yep. to another customer, so I could that, which set that, I- Which
1: is an email address.
0: Which is an email address. I can flip into their account. And now, can I unlock? I can get the location in, uh, of their lock where they last unlocked it, but can I unlock it remotely?
1: Um, it was almost. kind of
0: mixed, weird information about that. In any case, so that I mean, that in and of itself, poor session handling is really bad. I mean, that's been in the OS top 10 for a really long time now, maybe yeah, even since the it, beginning it, it of time. It wasn't
1: indicative that he could unlock the, the lock. But he could get that. the
0: location of where they unlocked the lock the last time, and then using the previous two vulnerabilities, be able to go yeah. to that location. I,
1: I don't know if it was where the lock was unlocked the last time. It was at least the user's mailing address or okay. some
0: variety. I thought it was the, the lock's location um. where it
3: was last unlocked. That sounds familiar to me.
1: Yeah, it, it, not only access others' locks, but where you can find them physically. So I'd say you could probably unlock them and find them.
0: Yeah, it was the details were kind of... Yeah, that was kind of... You know, the mainstream, the mainstream technology media gets a hold of it, and it's hard to decipher like what the real thing is. You often kind like dig yep. into the actual researcher's paper, which in right. in this case, I'm not sure that they were publishing a whole lot because... Taplock was still working on, on updating it. Now, a couple of things in this story, and we talked about it uh, on a lot of the other shows on the network. But um, first of all, you got to remember what these locks are protecting, right? Is it my locker? You know, maybe with with my phone in it, that's protecting it while I'm at the gym, or you know, God forbid, someone's using it to secure something more, a high secure. Um, I think the bypasses are <coughs> uh, somewhat worse than. Some of the other attacks against locks that require bolt cutters because again you don't know that someone has accessed your lock potentially
1: so so reading the uh the post from uh, Vangelis uhstecus I mm-hmm. think it is um by having an email account uh, you could effectively access the other person's account and share any lock from that account to another account permanently
0: mm. So you take over that person's devices. Yes, which
1: gave you the ability to unlock them.
0: The uh, the other one
1: was you. that um, you could do anything with the app as long as you had the valid login name over HTTP.
0: Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing. The API was not uh, encrypted uh, in any way. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. So kind of my like my final comment on this is I mean sure it depends on what you're protecting um but Taplock has no culture of security yep. in my estimation uh has not paid attention to any previously uh discovered vulnerabilities or put any effort into making it difficult for someone to bypass any protections on their platform uh therefore I wouldn't recommend anyone uses them you know uh, <clears throat> even if you're protecting something like your bicycle, like I, I, all these vulnerabilities like tied together in chain, even if they fix some, like mm-hmm. it's just, uh, I wouldn't use it to really protect anything. Like given this, the seriousness of the vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend you use it to protect really much of anything.
1: Yep. <laughs> so this was a, uh, this was a, um, a Kickstarter campaign. Yes. Um, so Kickstarter campaign, it was a hundred dollar lock, they raised three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and then started stopped updating their site mm-hmm. for their updates and citing manufacturing problems in China mm-hmm. type of thing. And Happens. then they and then they finally delivered the lock, like after lots of consternation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that was very much <laughs> a. We have lots of people unhappy with us. Get the damn lock out there,
0: right? So certainly not a <coughs> good story from the beginning. <laughs>
1: no. No. But quite humorous for us. Uh,
0: yeah, quite humorous. Could, that they, could, well, that they touted have, it as the unbreakable lock. It could have used
1: Microsoft Sphere.
0: It could. Well, yeah, this is the perfect use case, Larry. Thank you very much for using Microsoft Sphere, right?
2: Azure, Azure, Azure Sphere. Azure Sphere. Thank
0: you. Um It'd be interesting to see how the implementation of user authentication would work on the platform. We didn't really get into that with, with right. Galen, is like when you he did mention like there was a kit you can build an application. I would assume that in that application you can take advantage of the security facilities to authenticate users to it, mm. which was one of the issues that we had here with, with Taplock. Yep. Um I'm not sure how it would protect you know what it'd be a good good follow-up questions to uh, reach out to Galen again. Uh, say, "Hey, take a look at this taplock thing, and tell us like how Azure Sphere is is is, is helping it because this is it, yeah, a lot of it we'll in the implementation." That, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, be interesting. Yep. I thought it was interesting that uh, we'll go right down the line. Um, do you have clearance to patch that MRI scanner? So this was um, yes. an Israeli security company was talking about the state of medical device security. Uh, I believe specific to Israel, although not all dissimilar from really any other country that, that has this, when we all have this problem in, in all, healthcare across the world. There was an interesting quote that said uh, that medical dev- medical companies that make uh, things like MRI scanners, that they're really not investing in too much effort into upgrading the previously sold medical devices because of security reasons. They might fix something because of health issues very quickly, but they're really not looking into improvements that need to be made to existing equipment because of cybersecurity. Um, So my thing was like, what if I told you that a security issue is a potential health issue, right? I mean, that's the track Mm -hmm. record we've seen with security researchers that have looked at medical devices. You could compromise the health of the patient because of a security vulnerability and this article you, is it, very gotta, clear to say that medical device manufacturers are looking at these as two separate problems. I'm like, no, it's not a separate problem. I'm kind of in this same you know, ballpark with software vulnerabilities, like a bug and a vulnerability, they're one and the same. Don't you not want to have bugs in your software? Sure, you have to prioritize them, mm-hmm. but a performance bug, a functional bug, or a bug that leads to a security vulnerability... Are all just bugs? They have to be fixed,
2: and yep. you have to prioritize That's those which fixing ones them. Get fixed, right. right? Look, I, I think our community has to actually phrase it as a life safety issue. If we don't talk about it uh, in terms of life safety. I don't think it's going to get the attention and, and normally we do uh-huh. joff
0: i mean the, the 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 content that we've had and, and had people like katie Missouri and josh corman mm-hmm. and others from the the medical dev- medical community others from uh security researchers that are working on medical devices normally joff they're rated right in line with what you're saying right they're like this is a, yeah. a health yeah. issue i wanted to point out this article and just show our community that it's out there that like some you know, sometimes the perception is that it's not the same thing and we have to be there to right help correct that in a very constructive way and and not use like technical language and, and, and speak to people about this problem and, and highlight it exactly as you said, Joff. So I'm on board with you.
2: Yeah, no, and we gotta we gotta be serious too. I mean it's not I mean, if we say that it's kinda like throwing the red flag. If you say that you gotta mean it. Like yeah. really this vulnerability is a life safety issue. We can't mm-hmm we can't be the people that cried wolf, right? I mean, right. that's, that's not cool. Uh, we got, we got, we've got to pick our battles, right. Um, but that's how we're going to get traction. You know, if we actually say no, seriously, this really is a life safety issue. Um, and we can dem- uh, you know, demonstrably, uh, prove that we're, we're good to go. Right. Yeah. So,
1: and, and that was, that was interesting. Uh, many years ago I did, uh, um, a, a scoping call with some folks that had this this like electroshock therapy type of device that was used for stimulation of you know various organs in the body and um, and uh, we we're working with the engineers to come up with some scoping and we we're asking some very detailed questions about some things that we need to think about. Uh, and one of those was like, uh, could I interact with, and I'm going to use the terms, I'm gonna, could I interact with the API on the device to send it commands directly? Let's just say I could, and could I send a value that was greater than that in the interface? And they said, well, yeah, we do, we, we have the field and it uses, it's an 8-bit field and we could do values between, we typically do values 1 to 10. I mean, this one could go to 11. Um, but I'm like, well, what if I write 255? And their right. their question was, well, why would you want to? And my answer was, because I can. And the engineers came back with, with. Why would you want to? And they were, they were very resistant through this whole process about why do you want to test our device? We're, we, we've done a really good job of securing this and you don't need to test it. Uh, and I said, and they again said, well, why would you want to? And my answer <coughs> right. was, because I can.
0: Yeah, and just because. Their, well, and, and, it, it, their,
1: and their answer back to me was, we don't understand. Why would you want to? And yeah, I said, if I wrote a value of 255, could I kill someone?
0: Oh. Right.
1: And then the whole thing the whole conversation changed.
0: Right. Because it go it, when it goes back to several years ago when yeah, Mike exactly. Murray came on the show when we were talking yes. about this issue and yes. he gave the medical device example of the scalpel, right? Yeah. Like what 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 prevents someone from going and stabbing and killing people with a scalpel? Now the person that designed the scalpel may say well why would you want to do, do that? that? Exactly right. in your in your in your right. case, Larry, right? Yeah. It is because we don't design things and think about how people will use those in an unauthorized or unintended manner. Right. What has to happen in, in software development and in design of hardware and software platforms is we have to take into account what if someone does something not expected yes. right and that is part of functional testing and also part of, of security testing as well it should also be part of threat modeling and obviously in some industries these exercises and the way that we structure software are not mm-hmm. done uh, in that way to be resilient like that and right. I, you know the answer to why would i send something that it's not expecting is well to see how resilient the device is mm-hmm. right or it, and, it, and then it,
1: what the outcome is
0: right and maybe that yeah, outcome I mean, they, is your expected you know, outcome or your desired
2: outcome is to kill someone right. or cause harm right no i mean what, what you just said actually is is the very definition of what we do as penetration testers it's not what if we are going to send an unexpected value right what what is going to occur as a result is what the engineers need to think about. It's like I'm going to send you an unexpected value. I'm going to send 255 into this electroshock therapy device. Now, you know, hopefully not with a real human behind it because we, we are we are caring individuals, right? But that's why we use that's interns for that. What, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what we want the engineers to think about. It's not going to be within RFC. It's going to be way outside RFC, way outside spec, way outside what you ever thought of, because that's what we do for a living. Here, here. Yeah, and I, I think you know we talk about this a
0: lot now on Application Security Weekly. It, it's about covering all the different levels of testing, right? And some of the, I think the newer uh, concepts such as test-driven development are. Identifying where you can have unintended consequences or send things that aren't expected, write that test first. Have it cause some kind of con- you know adverse condition, and then go write the fix. The important thing is to make sure that test gets put into every single test you're going to run against that, that application. And the end is very important here. Make sure that test stays updated. Yes. So as your software is updated. That test is also updated those to test a common.
1: And or continued to be run in the same manner and um, additional ones created.
0: It, continuous integration, continuous development, You know all of those movements. Uh, when we run into situations like this, it makes me think that how more industries and have to adopt uh, you know these practices. And if they did, they wouldn't be asking questions like, well, why would anyone want to do that and be like no like what if you uh, asked the question like what if people sent whatever they wanted to like how would you preserve your system to have integrity because that's what the device manufacturers want right you want your device to function and people have a good user experience if it's not resilient that's not going to occur uh, as is the case with Roku and Sonos and, and other uh, devices uh, in my story number uh, six which I linked to the article from Times Guide uh, on how it basically said uh, Roku and Sonos are vulnerable to DNS rebinding attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a long list. I mean, probably longer than even the researchers, uh, uh, you know, could theorize about devices that are vulnerable to DNS rebinding attacks. And I was particularly <coughs> interested in the Roku platform because it's very much a proprietary platform. And that always made me skeptical, like, what are you hiding? Who's tested it? I mean, a lot of the other (coughs) entertainment devices run Android, which is a known factor. Like, we know there are a lot of vulnerabilities associated with Android, right? And Android devices the ones I've switched over to in my home, as we covered in a previous segment, um, the NVIDIA Shield devices. Yep. Now, we get to Roku, though. I was intrigued, and so... I did some digging and ended up on Pastebin, which often just happens. Uh huh. And <laughs> yeah. on Pastebin, at the very last explanation for this attack, the researcher says, and I quote, I have a proof of concept an- exploit against current Roku firmware that demonstrates this vulnerability, that I can share it with your team upon request. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So two things are kind of scary about this. Um, Yes, we're a
1: team. Can you share it?
0: Yeah, right? Uh, So one is that I think the perception of, well, I have a firewall and I don't allow traffic on my network. uh, That's always been a big issue with me ever since we started looking at WT54G routers. There was always this thing like, well, you're only really vulnerable and it's really rare that people would execute an attack that could really bypass if you were filtering all those ports off Mm -hmm. from the internet. That's not true. Like The trend that I'm seeing, and it's a slow trend, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think Robert Graham from Eratosek kind of talked about it as a a rare exception that someone would go to the links to execute phishing attacks or entice someone to click on a link. They would execute (coughs) a DNS rebinding attack (coughs) and attack devices on your internal network. It's certainly possible. It's been possible for a long time. Could this be... Uh, a way we're seeing it being more pervasive because the attacks on the inside or the devices on the inside of your network are juicy. Sonos is a hot mess when it comes to security. I've pointed that out in presentations over the years. Roku, I've always been skeptical of. Now I've got a researcher saying they've got an exploit that conceivably they can use DNS rebinding to attack. And, you know, my whole thing is what does that buy you? Maybe today it buys you a little more. I think the reason we haven't seen these attacks be more popular is like, what does that really get you? Right? Like the attacks with Roku were described in some of the articles like, oh, you can control the Roku device. That doesn't make me money, right? No. I, I want to launch yeah. denial of service attacks. I want to mine cryptocurrency. I want to do those things that make me money. I want to build botnets, maybe. Yep. But controlling your Roku device doesn't really help me out. Controlling your Sonos device doesn't. Being able to implant malware well, on them, that's take control stuff. of the firmware, does. And I like how this also kind of goes back to. Uh, Galen segment, where you know Azure Sphere can can certainly has the potential to help with with some of these things. Yep. And and I mean this is an easy fix, right? They talk about fixing the host header and validating the host header in HTTP, and essentially preventing against these DNS rebinding attacks. Which means you got to update all your devices to be resilient. And how many people will actually apply those devices? Will we see these attacks be more uh, pervasive? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I was pausing there for comments. Uh, I'll jump to the next story. How a Nigerian print scam victim got his money back after 10 years. It's a hell of an investment. Dude, this person, (laughs) like, I think he was $110,000 into, you know, the Nigerian print scheme, like, showing up at the airport waiting for people to show up with, you know, briefcases or suitcases full of money and having it never happen, and they were stringing him along for, like, three or four years. Finally realized he was being scammed. Now... What I found interesting was that uh, following a January 2017 settlement with the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission, Western Union agreed to pay $586 million into a fund earmarked to repaying victims in the U.S. and Canada, admitting that it had turned a blind eye as some of its employees conspired with scammers and used its service for money laundering and fraud. Wow! So oh, some of these wow. victims are able to get their money back <laughs> uh, if Western Union was involved because they, you know, they, had, admit, they admitted, they admitted yeah, that they weren't uh, on top of the issue, and that I thought the interesting part was Western Union employees were conspiring, yeah, uh, to be part of yeah. some of these scams. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
3: The bummer about that is the guys that are, are running the scam aren't out anything. Yeah. Right, it's. Just Western Union that's out the money. Which, you know, all right, they had employees conspiring as part of it. That's bears some of the blame, but the bad guys still walked away with the cash. Yep, that they did. Which they're probably using to launch more scams.
1: Yay.
0: And you wonder what the federal U.S. federal authorities are like—how they investigate it and in, in, like, who gets tracked down and put in prison. As a result of these scams, is it no one? Is it some people? Is it like how much of a target do you have to be i'd love
1: I'd love some empirical evidence on that because, to the best of my knowledge, it's no one
2: mm. yeah no well, it's, it's the not it's the not our jurisdiction problem right, right. Um, the only and one... that you know, that that is a challenge with the internet as a whole right you know uh Nigerians can happily keep victimizing people as long as victims keep existing mm-hmm. uh, so that's, uh, it's the way of the world um, the key is and one of the important functions of our show and others I won't mention any names is to keep educating people right don't be a victim mm.
3: mm-hmm.
2: absolutely
0: um, <clears throat> I thought it was great my article number 11 dark reading meet bro the best kept secret of network security Now, <laughs> mm. I don't necessarily think it's a secret Maybe not to us in security, right? but as you look at your IT
2: operations teams, it could be a tool that maybe they've overlooked or not heard of. You know, I, I'd, I'd be remiss in saying, or not saying, should I say, um, Bro is not an IDS. Um, and anybody uh, on the show who disagrees with me, let me know. But Bro is a protocol analyzer and a really darn good one. Yep. Uh, and if you want to know what's going on on your network... Uh, you will you know, tap, span, port, mirror, whatever your terminology of choice is, send some traffic to bro, and you are going to know what's going on on your network.
3: I actually almost did my tech segment on Security Onion. Um, I, was, I was really looking hard at it. Uh, one of the things that they've done in the past, Security Onion used um, ELSA for its search engine and uh, for aggregating data and whatnot and um, you know now they're using elk stack inside you're stealing my reaction.
0: thunder Jason you stole my thunder uh, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you did though but yeah that is as Jason points out one of the major updates and it used to be in the it's unstable uh, in the unstable or development versions used to have the elk stack and I was playing around with that I was really super impressed and I kind of felt like it was ready I'm like I didn't really have too much trouble setting it up and using yeah. it for, for analysis I thought uh, you know Doug and team was doing a great job and just recently like in the past month or so there have been several updates and now that's in the stable version so clearly my assessment was correct like they were pretty close to having me in production and you know as Jason pointed out um, it's a full Elk stack and the Kibana interface and Security Onion is the bomb it is awesome it was awesome. set up really you know, well.
2: I, I, hey, Paul, I wonder if we could. Uh, I wonder if we could get Doug on the show one night. Yeah, I because mean, I agree. You know, really, really, hats off. I mean, Doug has done a, such a great job with Security Onion over many years, and uh, yeah, I'd love to have him on the show. It'd be yeah. a great. He's interview.
0: been on the show in the past, but we can certainly bring him back, especially. You know, the 1604 release of the Security Onion I thought was pretty significant, um, so I'd like to have them on to talk about that. They're using Docker technologies, mm. um, and they've added a lot of functionality uh, into that, so. Awesome. Um, there was uh, talk about from Dr. Neil, what's Crow- his name? Crowitz. Crowitz? I couldn't get this article to come up. Why even we had him on the show, too? No, no. We need to have him on the show. Yeah. We've covered his blog for years. Yep. Uh, I haven't dug into the details of this one, but this was basically looking at some JPEG attacks. You, I couldn't get
1: this article to come up for, oh, me, okay. for whatever reason.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the HackerFactor blog, yep. uh, hackerfactor.com uh, is his blog uh, yep. in case the. the and the article
1: was entitled Past Its Prime?
0: Yeah. And it was looking at JPEG uh, vulnerabilities, and I didn't read much else into it as a, focusing on some other mm. stories. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, one, one, one Go that, ahead, Larry. One
1: I had in there uh, in mind, uh, the one that I thought was probably the most interesting was commercial airplane hack just a matter of time um, there were two studies that were done, uh, one in 2018 and one in 2017 um that uh, indicated that uh, a couple of uh, researchers uh, working with uh, DHS and so forth uh, were able to uh, take control of flight control systems in at least some portion um, and uh, was, uh, my understanding, not all that difficult. And that they're basically stating, yes, it's going to happen.
0: If anyone can make sense of my story number five... Uh, have at it. Have at it. (laughs) I couldn't make heads or tails of what the hell the story was. All over the place and pretty poorly written. I don't know. There's
2: if it's interesting enough. So this is the 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 internet's most inept criminal goes to jail. Is that yeah? That's the one. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, Algeria. Just skip that. (laughs)
0: My story number four. Algeria shut down the internet to prevent student from cheating. On exams, I I think I don't know how much this relates to hacking. I mean, hacking is to a certain extent cheating, right? And I think that's why we like to call it ethical hacking, uh, as we have permission (laughs) when we do it, right? Uh, And we're not actually like cheating something for our our own personal gain. We like to make the end result better. We would like to think that people go to prison when they do that, right? Uh, And violate the CFAA and and other laws. But cheating on exams is kind of like I. uh, you know, I, I'm old, right? When I was in school, uh, we had we had pagers. We had pagers. <laughs> uh-huh. Like maybe when I was in college, cell phones started to become yep. more of a thing. A thing, but but yes. they like weren't connected to the internet at that time. So, what does it look like today to be you know in a classroom where every single student has a smartphone or a smartwatch or
2: you know any other kinds of technology? So. so- so Paul, I got to make a comment. Mm. I I was uh, I was still working at a university a few more years than you were and we had professors yeah ask, asking us to actually outfit rooms as RF cages. Yes, to prevent this problem. I, well, mean, yeah, I mean, that's. And, and I'm not joking, that was a serious request.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I can see that. I mean, that solves a portion of the problem, as you, Joff, and uh, many of us already know, right? Like, it blocks internet access and network access potentially to the rest of the university network, but it doesn't stop someone from accessing what they can already put on any of their devices and access locally. Um, uh,
2: true, there's local storage, right?
0: Right. Uh, you know my thinking, of course, is always like can't we just like jam everyone's cell phones of course <laughs> the f c c is not gonna be too happy might have a with that. <laughs> yeah. about that uh that's certainly one solution, probably not uh kosher with f c c in fact definitely, definitely, not. definitely not kosher with the f c c yeah uh, to do any kind of jamming, certainly at those frequencies. Eleven
1: thousand dollars in fines and up to one year in prison per infraction.
0: Thank you, Larry. I knew you would have that information right, right <laughs> off. Right off the, look, the, look at that! The, he was yep. like
2: right on it. Right, right,
0: Bay- right Bay- on! Um, it. He knows it. He teaches I, it all the time. Yeah,
1: right? I used to. I used to freak out my students uh, when uh, we talk about that in class, and I'd have one of those. Cell phone jammers. Yeah, I say yeah, and every time you turn this thing on, and I turn it on, it's an eleven thousand dollar fine up to one year in prison. And I turn it back off again. So yeah, like like this could get really fat, big, really fast because there's twenty two thousand dollars right there. there you and turn it off and thirty three thousand, forty four thousand, and, and, and <laughs> I'm like, guys, there's no battery in it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not that dumb. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. duh, 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 I, duh. you know, I mean, you can collect the students' devices that, uh, you know, uh, people that you know, family and friends that are teachers, yep. you know, basically when it's test time, everyone leaves their phones uh, yep. at the front, w- oh, wait, I mean, which is some responsibility if whoever's collecting their phones, Right. if you drop them, lose them, yep. someone picks up sure. the wrong phone, I mean... You know, put I, a little it, set of
1: uh, little metal lockers in the classroom. Like and they there do, are, like they there, there are teachers. Yeah, there
0: are teachers that that do have different methods for yep. ensuring you know a system for collecting people's phones. I I, just, I thought it was if anyone, uh, I know there's uh, quite a few listeners that are uh, teaching at the college level, uh, listening to the show. Certainly, uh, you know, what are some methods you use to uh, prevent against you know this kind of stuff today?
3: Part of me yeah, thinks though yeah. that. Okay. Is it this? Is it really that different in some ways than I was just thinking that trying Jason. to hide yeah. notes uh, in in, right. in a ripped pair of jeans as you're sure. moving around and stuff, and you're watching somebody shift around as they're looking at their arms where they've scribbled things. <clears throat> yeah, there's uh, a, yeah. a
0: million ways but people I, used to try and cheat right before we had phones, writing things on yeah you know would, mugs or rulers and pens and all whatever yeah. you know they're doing so.
2: You know, I think it is that different because, you know, they have the ability to bring in a much larger wealth of information that you can fit on your arm, right?
1: That that and also when you're in there taking the exam, you could take a picture of the exam and share it with someone who could then memorize.
2: That's right. That's true. That's That's interesting. Yeah. So it's really a significant... So clearly, we're all old and kind of
0: unfamiliar <laughs> with this problem as it exists today in the classrooms across the world. So, uh, let's see. Where do we do we have any more security stories to talk about?
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, <clears throat> the last story. Oh my God! And That's I apologize. Someone shared this on Facebook, and I don't remember who it was. So credit to whoever has shared this on Facebook that may have come across my feed. And Facebook, it's a strange... Strange place. It's a very strange social network today. We'll just leave it at that. Um, but I, I do find some uh, interesting... Uh, some head-scratchers? Well, some interesting value out of, out of Facebook, some interesting articles that come up, not as often as they used to, and largely i have been switched to Flipboard. So I don't go on Facebook as much anymore. I'm on Flipboard, you know, and reading yeah. security articles and articles for the shows... And largely, that's where I'm finding a lot of these more interesting stories. I've been
1: surprisingly like Reddit. Reddit's great. I never Uh, used to think there was a a possible, reasonable use for Reddit. And boy, was I wrong.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um, So, uh, this story came up. And I mean, it's not really security related. I mean, I'm sure we could draw some parallels. But a couple was arrested for selling golden tickets to heaven. Now... There are several Our
1: Nigerian 419 scammers.
0: Yeah, and there are several You mean golden
2: Kerberos tickets? There are <laughs> yes. yeah,
0: not, not Kerberos tickets, actual physical golden air quotes tickets. So there are several hilarious things about this article. So first, the couple who sold the tickets on the street for $99.99, not $100, $99.99 per ticket told buyers the tickets were made from solid gold. And each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. You simply had to present the ticket at the pearly gates, and you're in. Now, Sweet. the first question that I had was, how do I take my ticket with me after I die? Like, is there? Right.
2: Do I have to? Like, what? Well, because it's gold. How does that work? You got to show You got to shove it in your shorts. Paul. Something. You gotta,
1: <laughs> well, be- because it's gold. It's a clear, good conductor of corporeality. You got to
0: smuggle it in. Right. To yeah, the afterlife somehow. Yeah, How does that... Yeah, well, the, the only
1: way to smuggle it into the afterlife is in your What butt. was the thing in... Is, is in, in, in your where's butt. my car? The is something tran-
0: transponder?
2: Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Johnny Blaze, help you me, got me out. What
0: was the... The continuum transponder? Continuum transfunctioner Zoltan. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go Zoltan is. There he is. will help you get this golden ticket with you into the afterlife, would mm. be my guess. Or, so, you, or you
1: smuggled in your butt. Now, when yeah, I said yeah, that this these, these be were... Artistable.
0: These were golden tickets. Uh, these were tickets were just wood spray painted gold with "ticket to heaven" dash admit one written in marker, which brilliant should be <laughs> Ooh, right on. <laughs> I, I like that Larry. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, brilliant. So brilliant. the uh, so this was a male and a female couple. Uh, the male in, in this, uh, who's being accused of this crime says, basically, I don't care what the police say, the tickets are solid gold, and ain't cut up two by fours, I spray painted gold, and it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC, and said to sell them so I could get some money to go to outer space. See, I met an alien named Stevie. Who said if I got the cash together He'd take me and my wife On his flying saucer To a planet that's made entirely of crack cocaine You can smoke all the crack cocaine There you want Totally free So try to send an innocent man to jail And see what happens You should arrest Jesus Because he's the (laughs) one that gave me the golden tickets And said to sell them I'm willing to to wear wear a wire wire To set Jesus. Jesus up Damn, that's totally I, believable. I, I oh, like, don't even know where to begin with that statement.
1: Apparently, like, they should apparently they should call nine one one because they're fucking
0: high.
2: Like, uh, you wow. know, I have Go so ahead. much
0: respect for law enforcement that has to sit there and take a statement from a person and that's saying this their kind their of asses thing, off? and And like, ah, uh, oh my god! You know, that's great. Making the rounds at the station them. afterwards. Uh, I just and finally,
1: we just wanted to leave Earth and go oh, to space the female. and smoke so, rock cocaine, yes. This is the female. Go ahead, Larry. And she says, I just wanted to leave Earth and go s- to space and smoke cra- rock cocaine. I didn't do nothing. It was Tito who sold the golden tickets to heaven. I, I just, just watched.
0: watched. <laughs> so Damn she's in an accessory oh, to my. illegal golden ticket heaven selling. Rock cocaine. Rock cocaine, cocaine to the alien planet where they met Jesus behind the cave. <laughs> what is going on? Is this story George, real? Did someone make this problem. up? <laughs> Even if they
1: did, it was worth a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> only only I, Amer- yeah. America. Ol- in America. Wait, wait, so wait, if you click wait. on this,
0: hold on. If only you- <laughs> in Florida. If you click on this article ow, ow, ow. Hold on guys In the production area <laughs> Fucking Jacksonville, Florida I tell you, you not. <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida If you guys want to pull up this article If you can maybe do that on <laughs> a, a Skype machine oh, or, or some machine And just show our live viewing audience The picture of the, the two uh, Tito, a, a Tito? accused Tito and his wife Can we, can we get the picture? Oh, Tito and Amanda Watts oh, say, If you click on the article in the show notes For those listening If you go to wiki.securityweekly.com
3: and Helps you go to the out, show Johnny. notes.
0: If you click on this article, you it, it, and I can only <coughs> assume these are the accused in, in this story. Um, it, when when you get there, and you just show the the, the picture, what is that like? War paint? Like what? I what it, is It's that? probably
1: the marker that he used to write. Clarence <laughs> I mean, on to
2: something. Oh man! It, it it's the only wack- after it, huffing it the gold wack- paint, wack- though. It is totally the wackiest thing you'll see all evening.
0: It is just the most ridiculous story. No, and I—there like, it is. There's the there picture. It is, there it is of the, <laughs> What? Is, zoom in.
2: There we go. Going on. Oh my.
1: Oh
0: wow.
2: my. Wow. Um. He must have a boo boo. He's got a boo boo on his not, neck. Yeah, I,
1: probably, I, he probably cut himself shaving with a space dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait. Oh we could totally reform this guy and send him
0: to space force. Oh, wait, wait. God, he went there.
1: He
2: looks, he looks like my uncle.
1: <laughs> Uncle's that you. Police said they confiscated ten thousand dollars in cash, meaning they sold a thousand of these. <laughs> Five crack pipes and a baby alligator.
0: A baby, alligator. A baby alligator! I sort of alligator. forgot about that! <laughs> <laughs> the story Give just keeps re-
2: getting better. A baby
0: alligator!
2: Uh, Is that a thing okay, in Florida? I'm totally gonna take us out. Uh, the pe- people
1: can sell tickets to heaven, <laughs> but the Wathmester rep- represented the p- products. They said it was gold and it was clearly just wood spray-painted. That's where they crossed the line into doing something illegal. <laughs>
0: Because yeah, it's fraud. Really? It's fraud. Wow. Yes, it's fraud. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, man.
1: God. I can't. Hello, I'm a prince and I have a ticket to heaven.
0: Uh, that's got to be one of the most interesting stories I think we've ever covered on the show. I'm still not recovered from it. I just, you know, I, 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 I anyway. Jacksonville, Florida. Only in Florida. Yeah joff jason larry uh thanks to galen uh for coming on the show and microsoft uh for being awesome to work with uh and you know thank you everyone for listening and watching larry oh wait
2: joff joff take us out out. all right over and weirdly sideways out